Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Okay, how do we know the heart of Jesus, the heart of the Lord? What does the Bible say in answer to this question? A man recently on social media said, quote, I want to know the heart of Jesus. Okay, my reply went something like this. Jesus reveals his heart in his word, according to Psalm chapter 33, verse 11, where the Bible says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Notice two key places here, the words counsel, that's the written word of God, and then the thoughts of his heart. So we know that the counsel of the Lord, the counsels, the Bible, the written word of God, is the very thoughts of Jesus's heart. So that's where Jesus's heart. That's where his thoughts, which are higher than our thoughts, Isaiah 55 tells us, that's where his thoughts are revealed. So it's not a mystery. So when somebody says, I want to know the heart of Jesus, it's time for us to share with them that the heart of Jesus is revealed in the words of Jesus and his apostles and all the writers of Holy Scripture. That's where Jesus reveals his heart. The only way to get to know the heart of Jesus is to know the word or the counsel, the recorded counsel of God thoroughly and to obey it. Jesus himself said, search the scriptures for in them, he says that he's going to reveal himself. John chapter 5 verse 39, search the scriptures for they are they which testify of me. Okay, and obedience is utterly important. I threw that in there because it's essential. And uh, Jesus said those that obey him, they are the ones that are going to know his doctrine. They're going to understand the deeper things of God, John 7, verse 16 and 17. So in answer to this question of a a man who wanted to know the heart of Jesus, uh, that's a very vulnerable position, by the way. Most people that would ask present that question, especially publicly, sound like they could be easily deceived. And so I chimed in, and perhaps some other believers did, to try to direct him scripturally to the truth that Jesus has revealed his heart in his counsel. And that's why we have a Bible. There are four pillar purposes that we have the Word of God for doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. That is second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, which states that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Then it says, 
that the man of God may be perfect or fully furnished and mature, equipped, thoroughly or truly actually furnished, equipped unto all good work. So we have the doctrines of God in his word. We have his reproof, his correction, and his instruction in righteousness. That's where we find out about God, and the thoughts of his heart are revealed in his word. According to this verse that we just read in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible, God's very word, has been given to the people of God for four reasons, four pillar purposes, doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Amen. So how do we find the, the heart of Jesus? We find it specifically in the words of Jesus and those he anointed and filled with the, his spirit. Holy men of God were moved. They penned the words of scriptures, scripture as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost is the exact wording. So the more we know of the Word of God, the more we know of Jesus and the heart of Jesus. Uh, And we must beware of the cult of the sacred heart of Jesus. It's one of the things I shared to this young man. The Catholic cult has invented in the 11th century this false worship, as all their worship is false but of the worshiping of the sacred heart of Jesus, which is totally witchcraft and not biblical. The only biblical model for knowing God is by his word and his spirit, the word being the priority and against which holy standard all must be tested, weighed in the balance to determine if it is true or false. That's why we read in Acts 17, 10 and 11 that The Bereans searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not those things Paul was teaching were actually the truth. Amen. They weighed in the balance the doctrines that the Apostle Paul was teaching against the written standard of the Word of God. So desiring to know the Lord, to be to be known of him, to know his heart, when separated from being focused on knowing him via his word, will always lead to deep deception. So beware. Anybody who's searching for God outside of God's word is going to be deceived. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. So I want to encourage you to read that whole Psalm, chapter 119, Psalm 119, 105. Again, thy word, the words of God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the Holy Scriptures, knowing them, walking in them as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, the path of our life, the direction of it, is the primary way that God leads his New Testament saints According to Second Timothy, which we read earlier, in fact, the, the verse before the two we read, verse 16 and 17, verse 15, the Bible says that the word of God is the wisdom of God. When he was talking to his understudy, the beloved Timothy, he says then that from a child, he tells him, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. There it is. The wisdom of God is the word of God. You could also say the wisdom of God is revealed in the word of God. So, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in 
Christ Jesus. You got to mix the word of God with faith or if it's of no benefit and does not glorify God. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And he was talking about Old Testament occurrences, namely of his own people, who at times when they heard his word did not mix it with faith. Okay, and the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them which diligently seek him. And when you're searching for, you're seeking the one true God that applies to those who don't know him yet, and definitely to those that know him, you're going to search for him in his word, or you will be deceive. There are many traps of Satan out there. The Bible says we're not to be ignorant of his devices, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, and that he walketh about seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. So notice the definition of something that I believe is going to help us in respect to searching for Jesus outside of his word. And, and don't you know, Satan has so many crafty delusions out there. One writer says the metaphysical meaning of ether, that word came up like this out in space type stuff, the ether, uh, the metaphysical meaning of ether, the spiritual substance in which can be made whatever we desire. Some scientists teach that space is heavily charged with energies that would transform the earth if they could be controlled. Isn't it interesting that man continues to search outer space for life there when they won't even repent and conform to the instructions of the one who gave us life here and gave us his word so that we could have his instructions for righteousness as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Okay, so instead of seeking out and adhering to what God told us about himself and his word, his creation and our lives, many are making up the image of a false god or gods out of thin air, out of the ether or the nothingness, neverland. So they fill that emptiness, those planes of nothingness with the corrupted imaginations of their own sinful, unrepentant hearts. In the pagan Catholic Church, they invented, as I mentioned earlier, what's called, quote, the sacred heart of Jesus, unquote, which defines his heart as something other than what he stated it is in his word. And they actually just worship that image. And it's a cultic if you break it down and look at it there. You know, if you look up the sacred heart of Jesus, many of you already know exactly what that is. It's pretty wicked. First off, God's word never instructs us to seek the heart of Jesus. Although it does tell us that he reveals his heart in his word, we're to seek his face, the scripture says. Seek his face continually, 1 Chronicles 16, 11. So there is no instruction to be devoted to Jesus' heart. As usual, the Catholic Church makes things up and brings in things that have been around for hundreds or even thousands of years before Jesus came to the earth and utilized in the occult and pagan worship, uh, beginning at Babylon 
in Genesis 10 and 11. So people who don't realize these things can be susceptible to Satan's many deceptions, as we mentioned earlier, of the sacred heart of Jesus, cult, and devotion. One site defined it this way, promotion of the sacred heart of Jesus as a means to receive grace is yet another example of the ritual extra-biblical tradition and superstitious trust in objects and images prevalent in the Catholic Church, and of course, might I add, which God forbids worship of himself or the attempt of such through images, icons, or anything, any idol. First and second commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven image of anything in heaven or on earth. He will not be worshipped via a graven image or any physical object. Jesus said, they that worship the Father must, it's an essential imperative, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not according to an image or an idol, but spontaneous out of your love for God. In spirit and in truth. Truth is what? He defined it. Thy word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. Also John four twenty three and 24. So this quote continues about the sacred heart of Jesus, so-called. It says, the Bible nowhere instructs anyone to meditate on or honor the physical heart of Jesus. More importantly, grace is by definition a gift that cannot be earned. The blessings of salvation, security, and peace are ours on the basis of faith in Jesus's finished work, whether or not we observe certain Fridays, pray certain prayers, or meditate on a certain painting. Amen. That's a good quote concerning the sacred heart of Jesus cult of the Roman Catholic Church. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And these are God's blessings that are already ours without the help of rituals or images, but solely given to us on the basis of the it is finished, paid in full, perfect sacrifice of his blood, Jesus's, that is, on the altar of the cross, which satisfied the claims of the Father's justice to redeem us. And it's our faith in his blood, as the scripture says at the end of Romans 3, that appropriates the justification of our God. And so, as usual, the Catholic Church is full of works-based salvation, which is totally false. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So anyone who's speaking of the heart of Jesus in any aspect or in any context, and not grounding that in or looking strictly and studiously in his word for his heart and his wisdom and everything of God to be revealed, then that person is willingly misled. So we must look in the word of God to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. With no exception, every true disciple of Jesus is grounded Uh, in and lives by his word. He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you're not of God. John 8, 47. 
Also, anyone not seeking God in his word according to what he himself stated, that is, is not of God. Again, John eight forty seven, And notice Second Peter 1, 19 through 21. We, we're not left to study myths and have to search out all of these theories and things that have no grounding. Notice we have also, the scripture says, a more sure word of prophecy. What is that? Uh, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. And he's talking about the scriptures, the written word of God in particular here. Until the day dawn, you get your eyes on the word of God and study it. Until the day dawn, still, till your understanding, in other words, begins to open up. And the day star arise in your hearts. The Holy Spirit enlightens you and illuminates you, your heart to understand the things of God. Knowing this first, he continues that no prophecy of scripture is of any. Notice he's talking about scripture. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy that is that we have recorded the word of God, the words of God came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So if you read this passage in Second Peter chapter one, he's recalling the apostle Peter is recalling the Mount of Transfiguration, Mark 9 or Matthew 17, they both record this occurrence. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and the Father actually manifested himself. And Jesus, uh, of Jesus, he said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So they literally heard the voice of the Father speaking audibly. And uh, he says in verse 16 of Second Peter 1, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They literally saw the majesty or a faint semblance of it of the Almighty. So these three apostles that Jesus brought with him to the Mount of Transfiguration, were eyewitnesses of his majesty at the glory of the Father, which manifested to them as the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased at his transfiguration, which was a specimen of his glory and that which is to come. So we haven't followed cunningly devised fables, but Peter is writing here. He and the other two apostles beheld the, and l listened to, they beheld the glory of God and heard the voice of God speak from heaven. And he says that we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that's the scriptures. In other words, in my estimation, he's saying in this passage that the word of God, the written word of God is more authoritative and sure than the actual audible voice of God. See, we don't have to go out looking for something. God's already given it to us, and it's his more sure word of prophecy, which is the word of God, which is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, and for instruction in righteousness. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. It is the wisdom of God, the scriptures tell us. It's the counsel of the Lord, which reveals the heart of the Lord as we close here, friends. 
I want to encourage you to know that the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. It's unchanging. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. So the counsel of the words of the Lord, they stand forever. The thoughts of his heart, that is revealed in the scriptures, are for every and all generations. In fact, the Bible tells us as we close that not only is God's heart revealed in his word, but also he's able to make us wise or give us wisdom unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you, friends. Glad we had these moments together. And may God bless each of us with an increased hunger to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, that is abundantly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.